Thanks for tuning into this episode. BBB presents The Truth About Trade Schools, featuring Harry Snyder, president and CEO of Great Oaks Career Campuses. BBB Sarah Kemmerer talks with Harry about the value of career and technical education and the accessibility of trades-oriented training for students from all backgrounds. Hello and welcome back to another episode of BBB Presents. Today I am joined by Harry Snyder, superintendent for seven years of Great Oaks Career Campuses in Sharonville, Ohio. Great Oaks is one of the largest career and technical education districts in the U.S. They provide career and workforce development for high school students and for adults through a broad spectrum of opportunities. Harry, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Sarah. Excited to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. You're welcome. So first I wanted to talk about what Great Oaks has to offer. You have Diamond, Laurel, Live, and Scarlet locations. And so there are 31 programs within the high school and then 12 full-time programs for adults. So can we start off just by sharing what Great Oaks has to offer? Yeah, so that's a good way to start off because Great Oaks Career Campuses, we're the umbrella and each of those campuses uh, touch different parts of our community. So Diamond Oaks is over on the west side of town. Scarlet Oaks is up in the Sharonville area where our district office is. And then Live Oaks is Milford, Ohio. And then we have an outlier up in Wilmington, Ohio, our Lowell Oaks campus. So each campus has some uniqueness about it. And so if we start at the Lowell Oaks campus, that's a good example. It sits between two runways. So we have an aviation maintenance program that we offer to high school students. And we partner with Southern State for, uh, for the adult side of that programming. Um, we have an equine program up there, a lot of uh, farm country up there. And so those programs are kind of unique to that one. And then automotive, welding, uh, health tech, um, dental assisting, uh, digital arts and design, the computer science, technology, networking, um, on and on uh, that we, we try to provide. Mm-hmm. We also do some specialty training for career X. Those are for our students that have uh, lifelong disabilities that uh, need special attention and, and help on finding uh, opportunities in the workforce that align with their special needs. So um, that we're excited about that. Then in essence, what we do is leverage our facilities for adult training. And you talked about the 12 programs. A couple of outliers on that is we have a police academy a firing range where uh, we do a lot of recertification. We, we train about 18,000 adults a year, the majority of which are public, public safety services in both uh, fire, uh, police, uh, and EMT. So uh, if you came to our facility, you would see um, we have a firehouse with uh, burn buildings and buildings that um, firemen come in on the weekend and do uh, continuous educational training for their certifications and to uh, upgrade to new training. So our police Mm -hmm. academy right now is working, for example, on equity and diversity training. We're working with drone technology and how to look at not only fire sites, but also accident scenes and different things like that. So we have Mm -hmm. a lot of different programs and, and they're constantly evolving. Well, that sounds like a very broad spectrum. I didn't realize how many different like industries, programs you had to offer. Yeah, so we're excited about that because each of our programs um, have what is called a a BAC, a Business and Industry Advisory Committee. And that's made up of local subject matter experts that Mm -hmm. are working out in the field. 
that constantly look over our curriculum, look over our equipment that our students are training on, and, and let us know, uh, give us feedback on, you need to change out this uh, turning machine, you know, it doesn't need to be just a two point now, it needs to be a 12 point. Mm. Uh, and look at our robotics and say, hey, you need to get into uh, FANUC or Motorman. Um, you look at our uh, culinary arts and they say, hey, here's the newest uh, kitchen equipment or the newest techniques. Uh, a lot of people come to our campus and don't realize that if you've ever watched the HD TV and the Food Network, uh, <laughs> see how those kitchens are set up and, and you see how they're demonstrating. Well, that's what our chefs do. So they, they have a, a point where they demonstrate to the students and the students have a mirrored uh, workplace to what the chef does and then they can work via that technology. So a lot of interesting, fun things that we do. Fun. Well, thank you for sharing. So when we chatted previously before we recorded just now, um, you referred to yourself as a non-traditional superintendent. Yeah. So what makes you so non-traditional and what makes you excited to be a superintendent? Well, uh, that's a great question. One, I'm not even called a superintendent by my board. They give me the title of president, CEO, to align with our business community. So when okay. I talk to businesses, they understand business lingo. So we use a lot of business in the career tech field. So we partner with 36 other uh, schools in Southwest Ohio, and we provide their career tech training. And as you know, we talked about adults. So I came in through the adult side of the business. Uh, I grew up in a small town uh, in Ohio here and grew up in a hardware business. So my father early on when I was 10 years old, um, you might call that child labor, but it was a family business. And he would have me come into the store and work with the HVAC gentlemen put in HVAC, the electrician, uh, plumbing, whatever that was, I was that helper. And so I got exposed to that as I was growing up, unbeknownst to me that someday I'd be running a career center. But I went into restaurants uh, out of college, enjoyed bartending and serving people and worked for a guy named Bob Evans uh, restaurants uh, for 10 years and became a corporate trainer for them, for their general, uh, for their management teams. Uh, and I tell you again, that is because business is constantly training their workers, uh, whether it's in the building or outside of the building. Um, we always had to go through, do serve safe, different criteria for that. So when I came to the Oaks, I started on a, uh, what was called Project Hire. It was a one-year grant that Great Oaks had secured. And it was working with a company up in Wilmington, Ohio called Airborne Express. And uh, Airborne was eventually bought out by DHL. And so they were a package. So I'd go in at 10 o'clock at night and work till four in the morning and basically work with uh, individuals, adults, and help them learn work skills at Airborne. Uh, we also worked with a company called Candlelight out in Leesburg, Ohio. So we moved about 1,500 people that were receiving cash assistance at that time to a work site and to employment. And that meant, you know, how do you show up? What are proper ways? proper ways to conduct yourself at a, at a work site. If you do have a conflict, how do you handle that conflict? What do you have to wear? Uh, and, and those um, transitional skills, I call them, are, are always constant need. Our students need it today because uh, of the environment they've grown up in, they might not know what, what it means to get up every day and go to work or go to school or whatever. So that, that was embedded in that. 
So through the adult ed, I also had an opportunity to do some economic development. So I got to work with some of our community schools on building their new buildings. So I got to see a different part of the educational system through that. And then came down as director of adult education. So I worked with a lot of businesses on short-term training programs. Might've been blueprint reading. It might've been setting up their staff with work keys assessments. Um, but it was an opportunity to understand the nuts and bolts of what those um, individual needed to advance in their careers or, or their workplace. Well, that's not any different that we, we teach in our high school. In fact, we use the same curriculum for our high school students as we do for our adult students. Our adults can receive it in a faster dose than our, than our high school students. Mm -hmm. They can receive it in one year, but the high school takes two years. So then when this position became available seven years ago, I had a different perspective that I was able to sit down with the board and bring to the table um, just a different part of our business that I've been involved in. Mm -hmm. With the understanding, I, I got a master's in vocational educational training during that time and was able to sit for the superintendent license, got my license, and so I was ready. <laughs> You're kind of like the spitting image of a lot of your students. Yeah, yeah. So. We know, we know, you know, Sarah, uh, that work is a constantly evolving, and, mm -hmm. the, and the job you thought you were going to do when you came out of high school is probably not the job you're doing today. In fact, you'll change five to seven times out of that. I look over my career. Guess what? It's been eight different <laughs> occupations or different uh, journeys that I've been on, on over that time. All of them build on each other's. And so the goal of education is uh, not to forget what you learned in the past, but how do you adapt those skill sets and, and roll them over into your next occupation? So um, that's what I'm always excited about. And that's what I tell our students. I just met with a young girl in cosmetology and I said, what do you want to do? And she said, well, I want to open a, a, a salon and a tattoo parlor. And I said, really? I've never oh, a unique that's cool. combination. How are you doing that? What are your next steps? And she goes, well, I mean, and so we sat out and I said, let's look at some Map this app, yeah. And we did, she started a business plan that you could pick apart and, and said, you got to get used to people telling you no, and then rebuilding, refocusing and redoing. So what are your next steps? So in a matter of, uh, you know, half an hour, we were able to, to let her understand, here's where you're at, here's where you want to get. Now you got to figure out what are the steps to get to here. And it's not just leap. You know, people always laugh that high school students get out and they say, well, I want, I want that guy's job, the CEO's job. I'm ready. And not realizing there's different steps along the way. You got to follow a path and your own path, but yeah. we will help you figure out that path. <laughs> That's correct. You got to pay your dues. Exactly. <laughs> Keep evaluating. Still paying my dues. <laughs> so a lot of your students do attend college, um, whether they're already in college or they graduate high school and go on to colleges. So I'd say that college admission right now is at an all-time high, but I feel like trade schools, they're often overlooked by students who feel like they have to go to college. So why is trade education such a great option for students? Great question. And specifically, let's break apart a few of them. So some of our students go on to college. They, they earn, all of our students have the opportunity to earn college credits while they're here, whether that's in the certificate they earn, i.e. a welding certificate, 
or a ASE, Automotive Service Excellent um, credential, whatever those are, there's a there's a um, CTAG, a Career Tech Assurance Guidance that the Department of Higher Education has that allows those students if they want to continue their education that they can take credit, they can take their credits that they've earned to that institution. So that's one cost savings a lot of our students um, realize when they come here. The other is, um, if you think about when you were in the 10th grade and you had to make a decision on these 31 different career paths and you choose health tech and you go take the health tech program and you're taking the state test and nurse assistant certificate program and you realize that all of a sudden you have to uh, touch someone, clean up after them, um, and it's not as pleasant of a job as you thought it was when you watched the TV and it was glamorized that, you know, um, you didn't, you saw the mm -hmm. romance part, but you didn't see the actual nuts and bolts part. Mm -hmm. So again, it provides those students the opportunity to, to have a hands-on experiential learning. And the reality might be they might not want to go into the nursing field after they take the health tech program. That being said, they're also exposed to other career paths in the healthcare industry. So they've just spent all this time learning about the human anatomy, um, how things work. And guess what? If they really like working um, with a county, they could work, they could also use those skill sets to work for the billing part of that hospital or that nursing home or that accounting department. So again, we're trying to teach them skill sets that are transferable. Um, that's one. The other, the other opportunity that a lot of our students take advantage of is we, we offer as an extracurricular ROTC, Reserve Officer Training Corps, the junior corps for the Army and the Navy. So those students get leadership opportunities, but not only that, they're exposed to the opportunity that the military provides for continuing education. So they'll pay for your college. If you went to the National Guard here in Ohio, they'll pay for your four-year degree if, with your commitment. Mm -hmm. So we also try to educate our students that they're done, there are ways to find a path to college that others are willing to pay for you. A lot of our employers, if you come, if you're hired right out of Great Oaks, will help pay for that nexus mm -hmm. of degree. Uh, we got a great relationship with Fine Tool over in Blue Ash, and that's a good example where our, our precision machining students uh, get into that trade. Fine Tool brings on an apprentice. They hire that person. They then pay for their two-year experience at Cincinnati State, and then they pay for the next two years at UC for the engineering school. So literally, a student with no debt can go through this and be paid because they're usually working at that time, and they mm -hmm. usually start off at $18 an hour and move up. That's an example where it's just a better choice for these students that they don't go into debt and get out of college with that hanging over their head. So some could say that there is a stigma about how much money people make coming out of a trade school when you compare it to attending college and graduating from like a university. So like, for example, let's take a look at the HVAC te technician. We've talked a little bit about that um, for this episode. And you guys have a HVAC technician adult program. So yeah. why... Why is there a higher return on investment attend when you attend the adult program as opposed to attending like a two or four year college program? Yeah. The sooner you get out to make money, 
in your field, the sooner it helps your return on investment, as we all know. So I think that's the movement we're going to see, Sarah, um, over the next two years. Uh, this disruption of the COVID-19 has really helped um, people focus on how do I get back into the workforce quickly. So uh, HVAC, a heating, ventilation, air conditioning program, um, it's the 900-hour program for adults. They usually start in the fall, August, and they're done by June. And that costs approximately $10,000. But at the end of that year, they'll come out making at least um, thirty-five dollars to $40,000 a year. And then you can, you can do your calculations. So within three years, if they just paid off that loan in three years, by the time their fifth year comes, they're already... So it's a negative first year return. I, I got some numbers in front of me, a negative 31% return. Now remember, they've been in training half that year. Mm -hmm. Next half of the year, they're starting to make money. So they have a negative 31%. So they've, in other words, made about um, two thirds of their payment back of that return of that $7,000. But by the fifth year, the return, uh, return on investment jumps to uh, 273%. So by the fifth year, usually an HVAC te technician, if um, they're good and they advance and they continue to learn their trade, will be making $60,000 uh, easily in that first three years. So when you see uh, Willis or Help or any of these trucks running around Cincinnati, each of them are an HVAC technician and they're making a good living. Um, some can make up to six figures uh, on the high end, and especially of that work. So that's just one example. We could go through lots of other examples. Some part-time training um, is a good example. Adults in um, certifications, uh, industry certifications, i.e. A-plus certification, um, you know, they can take a 12-week course on that and, again, come out and make $60,000, and that that program cost is less than $5,000. Mm -hmm. So um, not only Great Oaks, but there's other institutions around, around town that provide those kind of opportunities. So when we, when we meet with students, especially on the adult side, we, we try to help students understand the return on investment. We try to help parents understand the return on investments. We're not um, saying that college isn't um, a good option. We're just saying you have options to help pay for that college. So that's that's the message we want to get out there. We believe in lifelong learning. Again, I just told you I've, I've got my degree in uh, management from University of Cincinnati. I went back to Wright State to get my vocational certificate. I went back to Xavier University to get my superintendent's license. And I continually, I still have to continue uh, my education through different training opportunities, because as we all know, the life, the world keeps changing at a rapid pace mm -hmm. and you got to figure out how to stay current in today's environment. Yeah. Is the demand for trades just as high, if not higher than the supply? Yes. Yeah. Um, that's a great, great question. So a year ago, we were just, we're preparing for our um, senior ceremonies here next week. Mm -hmm. And um, and we look back on these students' two-year careers. All of them are coming out with skills that unemployment we see is, is plummeting in the state of Ohio. I believe it's under 5%. Um, 
last figure I saw was 4.8%. And then those skilled trades, there's even more demand. So if you look at the health, the top 10 areas, health tech, health needs workers in their hospitals, they need them in their um, billing departments, they need them in the maintenance departments. So those opportunities out there, we get stuck on what the title is. But uh, again, if you're a hospital worker, guess what? They have uh, HVAC equipment in that hospital. In fact, HIPAA, uh, not HIPAA, um, high filter units that require maintenance continuously, not just mm-hmm. once a year, but you know, weekly. Continual maintenance, yeah. Continual maintenance. And so those are those jobs and those opportunities out there. Construction is just flat out booming. We have companies call us all the time and we're like, you're two months too late because most of those that want to continue in that field, um, we have we provide an opportunity of co-op and they've already aligned themselves with an employer that took a chance on them when they were still developing and provided them some training. And, and that opportunity then leads them to a job right out of high school. So let's say that I complete like a two, two or four year program to become a dental assistant, which is one of your programs. Would you help me get a job after graduation? And do you all work with any like organizations to assist with that job placement? Yeah, great question. Again, I just talked a couple of things, but Ohio Means Jobs is, is our go-to that we work with not only our students, but our partnering uh, districts to educate them on those, uh, those um, opportunities that the state has aligned. State's done a really good job, has a very robust um, website um, that we help our students learn. It's, it's tied into with Indeed, and it's a, a good way how our students do it. So, so hiring has changed over this last year. Mm-hmm. In the past, it was face-to-face, drop on in. Now it's a Zoom call. So again, we've worked with our students on, on that transition of how they present themselves, just like I'm sitting here and you're looking at me at a Zoom call. <laughs> a lot of our students are learning that. And yeah. a lot of our employers are helping our students by providing that opportunity to do some um, simulation and going through that process. A lot of our kids that go on to college, guess what they're doing? Zoom calls. Yeah, so Zoom classes. Different, it's, an, again, a different uh, approach that, that you have to help students as well as your staff understand that, that change. Mm-hmm. So we talked about this a little bit, but people don't realize that trade schools can be a stepping stone to another direction outside of trades. Um, so you can go to trade school and still like go on to college or advance your training somewhere else. So what other directions can your students go in after completing a program? Uh, again, we talked about college, uh, military or two. I, I, I want to share a, a recent last Friday. Uh, we had a class that graduated in 1975. That was uh, one of our first it was our first class of graduates. And I was over at our Diamond Oaks campus. We probably had um, 40 plus people there that came back to see the campus. And one of my questions I asked them, I said, when you, again, you think about back in the early 70s, it was our first year in, in operation. We had to convince people to come take a machining program or a dental assisting program or a welding program. And so now they have that reflection of they're at the end of their career. And about a third of them worked in the field they trained in, 
Another third started in the field they trained in, but were able to adapt to a different job within that company because of the skill sets they learned and then were able to transfer them over. Another third said, no, I didn't use anything that I was trained in because I wanted to go a totally different direction mm. out of school, but learned that I could, again, adapt some of the skills that I learned in that training. Mm -hmm. and I thought that was an interesting look back. So that was, uh, again, 25 years ago. Um, and so they're at the end of their careers, usually 30 years, some of them had already retired, had a good life. And that's, that's kind of hasn't changed that much, I'm sure, over the mm -hmm. last three years. Our challenge that we're seeing is, is that we're all going to have to work longer. And again, uh, Sarah, it's, it's how do you adapt? So you might be a teacher. Uh, all these, we, we run a teaching profession program. One of the challenges our partner in schools saw, they, they have less and less people entering the teaching fields. So yeah. We, we find students that have that interest and they get to grow. And we now have students that have gone to college. Forest Hills is a good example. We have three students that went through our teaching professions program that are now teaching in the Forest Hills school system um, through that experience. So they went away to college, they got their degree, they taught somewhere else, and now they're back to the school that they yeah. are alumni. So that's the, the exciting thing about there for a few. I'm excited for our kids' future. I'm excited for our country's future, I think. Yeah. There's a lot of doom and gloom out there, but when you go, when you walk through our buildings and you talk to our kids, uh, they want to, they have hope for a better future. But we have a nice mix of students. Um, again, I reflect on everyone's, your journey and your education it could be positive, it could be negative. Um, and again, you're back to your 10th grade and you might be struggling um, because you're a different type of learner. And all of a sudden this school comes on and, and, and you might be in the cars and they're presenting this program that you get to work on cars. So that student comes to us um, and, and a lot of times, um, not only on the, the AB students, but there's uh, BC and, and CD students that come to us, get, get to experience, experiential learning, hands-on learning, and they get to start to touch them, but then they get to, um, connect their academics that they were learning in math or English well with what their occupation are. And literally you can see the lights come on and in their minds and that connection being made, there's a spark there. Mm -hmm. so, so a student that might be struggling in math and is taking a uh, wood framing class and they build a trust in the, in the, the um, wood shop teacher, the wood instructor, framing instructor says to him, you just did math. You just, you just made a perfect pitch trust. How did you do that? And then the student explains to him, he goes, you just explained to me that math formula. You just did math. The student will say, wait a minute, I'm not good in math. My, I've had terrible grades in math. Yeah. Goes, you just applied what you learned in math and you literally see these students connect to the information they learned uh, prior. And, and then that's when the magic happens. So the, a lot of our students turn their academics around because of the experiential learning they learned in the career tech lab. So those students also graduate and they're an AB student and their parents are scratching their heads saying, you were always bad in math. Well, now I know why I'm using math. You're right. It's just a different way we all learn. 
Um, on the other end is that high-end learner. So we provide that opportunity for that student. Engineering is a good example where a lot of engineers go from high school right on to engineering school and never have that hands-on experience. Well, there is a difference when you use a, a CAD, a computer-aided design program, and get to go out and actually let the machine make that part than if you never, if you just did it online and, and never got to actually see the product on there. So our, our, our students get to not only put their hands on, they get to do some 3D printing. They get to learn the limitations of that CAD program in reality. So all programs have uh, universal design, but in reality, there are constraints that you can't see in that program that when you try to produce that, um, you learn better. Mm -hmm. so, so from that end, we send a lot of our students that go on. I, I talked about Fine Tool is a good example, but GE, we have students that end up there that are also going on to the University of Cincinnati or NKU as an engineering student. And they have a better foundation of what they're going to be doing in the engineering field than some of their classmates. Mm -hmm. They always like coming back saying, uh, hey, Mr. Chase, uh, you know, we started talking about this. And, and I said, oh, yeah, we did that in high school. And they just look, and the professors will just look at me and say, what are you talking about you did? <laughs> I went to Great Oaks and we built this 3D, we had a 3D printer and we built this automotive part. And, and got to touch it and see it and see what it worked. And here's what we learned. And again, it, it just gives them a, more confidence that when you get to experience it uh, at an earlier age and then get to repeat that experience that you become more a competent learner as you move forward. Mm -hmm. You've kind of already answered this, but would you say that career tech students often do better like in that college setting as opposed to regular high school students? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. well, I, I just won't say it, but uh, our association did a so, uh, association career technical education did a study and it found that our career tech students um, do uh, better in their college experience than their counterparts. So, and Sarah, what, why is that? A lot of different, we can jump to a lot of different ideas on why, but some of, some of it is that when you're in the 10th grade and you're willing to decide to go somewhere else to gain an education, that you're already outside the box thinking um, you're, you're willing to take a chance. So yeah. a lot of our students always tell them are um, willing to step out of the norm and experience something new. So that's part of their makeup. Um, there's a dedication to it. Um, they learn um, the routines of work um, by coming into school. All, all students do that, but then there's that next step that they also learn about pacing on a job and, and how it impacts not only them, but also their employer. Um, and so there's more of a, a sense of a responsibility uh, to finish what they started. Mm -hmm. and, they're, and they're more in tune with what they're going into college. Um, I cringe a little bit um, when I hear parents say, yeah, my son's going to college to find himself. Well, that's an and you think that's an find... <laughs> interesting <laughs> yeah. way. I'd send him out, you know, have him work three different jobs and then they'll find <laughs> they don't want to work there. So. And then they'll go to college maybe yeah. after, after finding themselves. Yeah. After, <laughs> after finding out the work. Right. <laughs> so I've heard people say that trade school 
doesn't offer that real high school experience. And I feel like a lot of students may be afraid to take that leap into going to a trade school as compared to like a regular high school. So what extracurriculars are offered at Great Oaks that makes it pretty comparable to like a regular high school experience? So uh, all of our students use a large part of them still still, still participate in our partnering school districts extracurricular activity. We have football players, we have cheerleaders, uh, we have students that play chess, uh, drama, and they do that at their, their, their school. We also provide what is called CTSOs, career tech student organizations. So um, last night I went up to Clinton Massey and we have a Future Farmers of America, FFA chapter up there. So those students get to compete both at the state level and the national level um, for their skills in, as a FFA member. That's one example. All of our Skill USA programs or welding or automotive have skill competitions. So this, this last year out of our uh, 1,500 graduating seniors, we have 200 of those students that are going on to uh, national competitions. Uh, they did well in their state competitions. We've had students go to international competitions. So the opportunity is they're exposed to different um, students. They get, they get to perform their skills, whether that's a speech or to show their, uh, how to put a, a board, electronic board together. Mm -hmm. Whatever, that, whatever they enter in that competition, they get an advance through that. So it's additional opportunities, and, and, but it's not limited to that right. experience. So a lot of our kids go back and have their problems, uh, go back to their problems or to their um, different events. Um, but we also have those opportunities. So our OTC has a military ball. Um, and so a lot of those students. And the other, uh, back to your earlier question, Again, they're walking into a room with students that are like-minded. So if it's uh, animal science and they like animals, the people in that room, they know all like animals. And so that there's a friendship, a bonding that happens that um, again, prepares them for that next level of journey in their life, whether that is college, whether it's going out in the workforce. And that's what's exciting. I'm gonna go back to those alumni. They were so uh, thrilled with the experience they unexpectedly chose to do. And I think that's the best way to say it because they really didn't know what they were getting into. And then two years later, they, they, they look back now, 25 years later, they yeah. say, wow, you know, that took a lot of guts for me to, to step out of the norm and, and go to this school. That, they probably think like, thank goodness I took this risk. Yeah, they took a risk, a risk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what I call my students, risk takers. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so just to top off our conversation, what are some of your favorite things about trade schools? I think that experiential learning, our business partners um, provide our kids with some incredible experiences. I'm going to go back to our, our we have a vet tech program and, and they closely work with local um, SCPAs or, or animal rescues. Um, we, we this last, um, back in January, took on 17 puppies that were rescued. And part of that rescue um, responsibility is that we spade and neuter those, those animals. Yeah. So we have local veterinarians that donate their time and they come and, and we, provide, we 
have a surgery suite for our animal tech program. So the students get to go through that process of post uh, pre-op, operation, and post-op. And I can tell you that's one of the most exciting days that I get to enjoy is going over and watching our students' eyes as big as saucers. And they're, they're so caring for the animals. They understand what's going to happen. And then they're standing there in the operation room, seeing hands-on. Um, and the veterinarians, when they feel comfortable, they'll, they'll let the students um, cut, you know, and, and mm -hmm. learn how to stitch. And these kids, I know, are going home saying, hey, mom, I stitched up the dog today. Oh, was that a <laughs> stuffed animal? No, it nope. was Sparky. Sparky was, you know, and, and, you know, you can tell in the excitement of what they just experienced that it's going to impact their lives for the future. Yeah. That's, what's, that's what gets me excited when we walk around. I, I take people through our buildings, and I know you won't believe this, Sarah, but I don't do a lot of talking with them. I let, I let the kids talk, and oh. <laughs> these, uh, they'll ask them questions, and, and these kids are just so oh. passionate about what they've learned that, that I don't need to talk because they're the ones that mm -hmm. are experiencing it, and they get to share that experience. Well, Harry, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome, Sarah. I'm Sarah Kummerer with your local Better Business Bureau, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of BBB Presents. Until next time, connect with BBB Cincinnati on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to check out local businesses and do your part by leaving reviews at BBB.org.